0: Thank you for joining us this week on The Tongue with Dr. Mike. I'm so glad you're back with us again. Make sure you're visiting our website thetonguespeakslife.com. That's the center where everything associated with our missions is focused. You can access our most recent podcast from The Tongue with Dr. Mike, The Pillars of Heaven, everything over the last uh, few weeks. And of course, if you want access to our full catalog of podcasts, just head over to wherever you listen to pods like Apple or Spotify. Take notice. We are on Facebook under Psalm 346 Ministries. Make sure you join that group. Just head on over to Psalm 346. Or if you go online, p346.org, our social media platform. Get involved in the community. Gather strength from the scriptures there. Join in on the conversation. You can submit prayers on there. If you have a specific prayer need, just, or if you ask for prayer, even if it's unspoken, just message them. uh, Message in. We would like to take that time and your prayer. You know, the, the prayers uh, are, are very important. It's important that we all get prayer for each other, not, uh, not just us that need it. Everybody needs it, right? Make sure you're listening to Pillars of Heaven as well. There's a new season of Pillars of Heaven with JB and myself. We have special guests on there. We cover a wide range of everyday topics. Sometimes we do What Are the Odds? We talk about things going on in the world. Make sure you're listening to that thetonguespeakslife.com, click on there, read about our outreach missions, Bibles for Every Believer. Listen, I can't emphasize this enough. If you need a Bible, make sure you reach out to us, right? Go right to p346.org, tell them you need a Bible, or go to p346.shop, put a free Bible into your cart and check out uh, The Tongue Speaks Life, message there, anywhere. Just get yourself a Bible, get yourself into that book and read it. Okay. Donations. Uh, We take donations for everything that is involved with our mission. I know um, Psalm 346, the board of directors, nobody takes a a paycheck. Nobody gets paid for anything they do. That's total volunteering. Um, We're feeding over 40 families on top of uh, nonprofit organizations on top of local businesses. I mean, that is a blessing with just a few a few people and every dollar counts. And uh, if you want to donate to us or Psalm 346, if you go to p346.org, you can click right at the top, donate now. If you go to the tonguespeakslife.com, it doesn't matter. It all goes to the same place. And if you're on the Tongue Speaks Life, Cure International, click on that. Check it out. God bless the little children. Uh, They are doing so many great things in the lives of little children and their family. They are curing them and teaching them about Jesus. Uh, What a fantastic thing to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. Uh, Check that out. You can link. There's a link on the Tongue Speaks Life. You can go right to their website. You can donate to them. Uh, Like I said, you can donate to us. Uh, the Tongue with Dr. Mike, Pillars of Heaven, our outreach programs, uh, anything that's going on, is, it's all connected. So get yourself over there. So as our family keeps growing, I just want to say welcome back. God bless you wherever you're listening to this. Thank you for, you know, thank God for the, the reach that this program has uh, and it's continuing to to reach out and, and it's going farther than, than I could ever imagine. Um, I know I post in uh th- there's things i put out every day if you're not a member of uh the tongue with dr mike on on facebook uh, get get yourself involved over there too um i put out a daily uh scripture and uh i post that in front of uh, literally millions of people uh, across the world uh that's being seen by so go over there um all right here we go so anyway thank god for that and uh we're gonna keep going um uh, bigger and better than ever. Praise God. So today's topic, we are going to go over the light of the world and what true freedom means. Okay. So let's, let's take light of the world. Let's go back to ancient world. Let's, let's look back at the light of hope in the ancient world. So third century BC, there's a gigantic lighthouse constructed near Alexandria in Egypt, right? More than 300 feet tall That was the wonder of the ancient world until it was destroyed by earthquakes. That lighthouse guided ships to Alexandria using a giant reflective mirror by day and a fire by night. Throughout history, lighthouses have served the same purpose. They provide guidance, even hope to captains and sailors, especially in the dark of night. Five centuries before the Alexandria lighthouse was built, a prophet in Israel referred to God as the same thing, a light during a dark time in history. Israel, what was the nation, the armies of Assyria had conquered much of the northern kingdom and part of the southern kingdom of Judah. And Micah comes and he writes in chapter seven, verse eight, it says, do not rejoice over me enemy when I fall I will arise when I sit in darkness the Lord will be a light to me so Micah wrote not only warnings about God's judgment but also words of hope to those that would listen right the Bible is very clear about hope and there are a ton of verses in the Bible about hope I'm going to do a couple here for you this is not all of them these are some key ones that I think are great Jeremiah 29 11 it says, you probably all know this one, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. If you jump to Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Man, we could break that apart and, and I could do a whole series on tribulation, being uh, rejoicing in hope and, and being constant in prayer. We can, we can talk about that forever. Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Isaiah talked about in chapter 40, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up their wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Romans 8.24 says, for in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You can unpack that for hours, all right? And, you know, the the more you read scripture, the more layers come off and the deeper you go into that. Read Romans 8.24 and 25 and, and really get into that. You can You can do a little Bible study on your own with that one. 1 Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? So when you need encouragement and refreshment for your soul, turn to those scriptures from from the Old and the New uh, Testament and offer, they give you that sense of encouragement. They give you that hope. Everyone needs to be reminded from day to day of the hope that God, Jesus, and the Bible offer to us in our daily lives. So, you know, a quick prayer, you can say, Lord, uh, I maintain my hope in you and I hold on to the assurance that what I'm praying for is already accomplished in the name of Jesus. Your word promises no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's from Psalms 84. I wait upon you for the definition of the good thing you will not withhold from me. As David prayed in Psalm 18, 1, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Okay, so here we are focused on hope. The Bible tells us about hope all throughout it. I mean, what are we doing here if we don't have hope, right? It's what we're founded on. And I could go through this uh, entire Thing here, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. I'm learning personally myself about God being my fortress and running behind the walls and taking shelter there. And there's so many verses there that where you can rest and be protected. And you know, I'm going to continue that on in, in series very, very shortly in, in the near future. Uh, but but remember that the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock right? On whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Like I said, I'm going to unpack that big time in the next couple of weeks. So like I said, we're founded on hope, you know, but, but here we are and, and, and we're founded on freedom, true freedom, right? And before I get into that, I want to take a quick look at some verse, uh, a couple maybe about freedom, true freedom, real freedom. Because for me, I struggle with things, a couple things my whole life, you know, the same things, the same struggle, the same outcome. I'm just now realizing how to turn this all over to God because we know that there's no victory without that real fight, right? There's no overcoming. If you don't go through something, It's if you don't go through it, there's no, you have no, outcome on the other side you don't get stronger you don't you don't train for nothing right why do you people go to the gym every day you do it to get better and better and better and you're training your bodies to get stronger and better right it's the same thing here here's the thing I learned this the hard way just like I learned everything else the battle here is already won that work is done already why am I fighting it again and again without uh, going after that with the same outcome right? Remember my favorite verse. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I had to learn that the true victory and the freedom is when, that's when you're set free from that bondage of what you seem to fall to every time. I'll get into that in a little bit. Here's some verses on deliverance, right? Um, God calls us to live free from sin and, and that so easily entangles us. Right? As Christians, we're promised power and strength when we call upon God to deliver us from, you know, spiritual attacks and Satan's schemes to bind us, whether to addiction, uh, emotion, thought, finances, relationships, any stronghold. Right? These Bible verses are going to help you focus on the promise of God, and, and it'll renew your fight to persevere. All right, First John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So slavery to what? It's to what you struggle with. Instead of looking down at the problem at your feet and saying, oh, well, that sucks, but I'm stepping over it and, and, and not going to let myself go through it. It's just like a puddle, right? You have to learn that the, the hard way, right? Either step over that puddle or walk through it. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will free from, he will flee from you. Sometimes, you know, as I'm going through struggles, I see the way out. And I see that it's a real choice that I could could do this and and get out of this. Or, you know, you're fighting your body that wants to do something else, that wants to make that other decision, because that's what you really want to do, because your yourself is at, at, at odds with God, because we have that sin nature. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. We'll unpack that in a little bit. We're going to stick in Psalms for a little bit. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. How many of you have fears? If you read into this book, you know that God hasn't given you that spirit of fear, right? Right? Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The righteous do what? They cry out. They pray. They say, God, they need help, right? It's when you really realize that you can't do this on your own. That's when God's going to meet you. Psalm 107, 6, and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress, Right? sounds familiar. Isaiah forty three eighteen. forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Powerful stuff, man. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. There it is. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There it is, 1 John 5, 4 and 5. All right, a couple more, hang in there. 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we talked about this too. What does a roaring lion look like? When he's on the prowl looking for something to devour, it's not pleasant. Verse nine says, resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not in this alone. This is not a a one person kayak, you're in a canoe. 2 Corinthians 10, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Man, if you're, you're a new believer in, in Christ, or you don't read your Bible, or you don't uh, go through and read about this stuff, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. So how do we combat this, Right? You have to find out what it is that you you are are basing your faith on. This book says, look, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what's a stronghold? What's a stronghold in your life? What's got you captive? That's a stronghold. That's divine power. You have the power to demolish that in your life through Christ. 2 Samuel 22, he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you save me. John ten nine. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. And find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right? Verse 10 on there. You know, it says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've gone through a ton of teaching about this. Uh, they may have life. They have it to the full, but well, you don't just get that life. You have to search for that. You have to get into your Bible. You have to get into church. You have to be instructed. You need to feed your spiritual inner inner person. First Corinthians 15. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting. You know, that verse has been quoted to me so long. Like if I've been at a job that I, I couldn't stand, or I didn't understand why I was in this position for so long when I felt I had so much more to give. And people would always quote that you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Well, you don't know why you're there, and you don't know uh, what impact you're having on other people. And you don't know the plan overall because all you can see is what's in front of you. You've got those blinders on. But God sees that whole picture. He sees the everything around, the beginning and the end, the, the ups, the downs. He sees it all. You know, when you can only see a little bit in front of you, God sees the whole thing. James 5. Let's start at uh, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. That's why I said at the beginning of this is, Layla, we all need prayer. You can't do this alone. You need people praying for you. You need to pray for other people. It says the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And there's instructions here. Is anyone among you in trouble? Uh, Is anyone happy? Is anyone sick? Right? These are clear instructions here. This all envelops freedom. We'll get to it. Hang in there. All right, uh, let's go. Oh, looks like I put a lot of verses on here because it's important. But um, let's go to let's jump to Romans, and we'll jump to Ephesians, and I'll skip around here a little bit. Okay, Romans six fourteen. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart, the pattern of teaching that now has claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness." I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Let's stick in uh, before before I jump to Ephesians. Let's jump two chapters up. Romans eight. It says, therefore there is. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, though even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Man, that is so powerful and so thorough. Um, and I wish we had uh, months to talk about Romans. Um but let's jump real quick to Ephesians 6, chapter 10. I mean, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is the part that you should get drilled into your head. You, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? Right? Because, I mean, as it goes on, it's put on the full armor of God uh, so you can stand your guard. And it talks about shield of faith and um, helmet of salvation. And it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So let's jump back a little bit here. And it goes. Uh, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? But you're giving power to whatever that stronghold is in your life. It says right here that we're struggling against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? So we're not fighting an earthly battle, right? And if you think that you are and you think that you can get through this uh, without putting on uh you know the helmet of and and the shield and speaking the word of God, the sword of the spirit uh this this should put it all into perspective because you're no longer uh that slave or under that law, that penalty of that law, your mind and every your focus should all be shifted to the spirit, right It says we can't please God right? Let me jump down to Romans. Yeah, and and like it says here, the body is subject to death because of sin. We all know that, right? The spirit gives life because of righteousness. If you're in the realm of the flesh, you cannot please God, right? It said that in verse eight, I believe. Right? So what, what are you claiming freedom over? And what do you do if you're constantly making the same bad, stupid choices and that you, you, you have that mountain in your life, right? And God said himself, Jesus said, speak to that mountain and it'll be cast into the sea, right? That talks about faith. But freedom, true freedom, it, it's something that I'm just getting to understand now after all this time and I've struggled for 20 plus years on... on Two or three certain things that really have been been a hindrance to me, finally letting the the reins go and 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 sitting back and and giving that over and saying, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I, I choose God, you already beat this for me and you already nailed this to the cross, and I don't have to fight this anymore. That's freedom. That's freedom to know that that power over you is gone. That's freedom. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. And I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God, and whom I trust. Right? You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Man, if you don't take part of that and grasp onto it, look what it, it says right there. You're gonna see all this trouble and you're gonna have all this, right? That's why my favorite verse is, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome this world, right? Right? This talks about making the God your habitation and you seeking refuge in his fortress. And you'll see all the things around you crumble, but you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's freedom. And that's powerful. Nothing surprises God. Nothing catches him off guard. How many verses talk about rest and peace and shelter and not worry and victory? freedom, right? Usually I talk about this around the summertime, July 4th, right? When we talk about our country, our liberties, how um, how we are in the world, the luxuries we have that others don't, the ability to do things that others do not, yeah, you know, not so easily anyway. But it, it hit me hard these last few days that while I go through these struggles and I go through Uh, maybe some bad choices and you know they're bad and they're not good for you. And you know that you're going to feel terrible if you decide to go down those paths And, and you sink deeper into a worthless mentality that makes you feel rejected and shamed and unworthy. And at the same time, we're being told to rest in the shadow of the almighty, right? Thousands will fall all around us, but we are not shaken. Give it over to God. Let him move. Rest after you find them from your diligent seeking, but you need to keep seeking. You need to keep going. We have the promises if we put him first and if we know where to go when things fall apart around you, right? So here we go. Let's talk about freedom. Not too much, but I know we did a lot of scripture here. Hang in there. So here's some scriptures on freedom, um, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit is, there's freedom, right? Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Romans 6.22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. James 1.25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. First Peter 2.16, live as free men, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. John 8.32, most popular. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So John 8.36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know the gospel of Christ brings freedom to captives, right? Isaiah in, uh, in chapter sixty-one talks about the spirit of the sovereign lo- of the sovereign Lord. Um, let's jump to it quick. Uh, Isaiah sixty-one. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair spare they will they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the lord for the display of his splendor man that is so powerful oh jeez. all right let's uh let's see how many we put on here and the bible is just packed with this stuff it's packed and packed and packed. I'm going to give you a homework assignment and uh, you look up these verses, right? So Romans, mark these down, get your pen out. Romans 8, eight chapter chapter 8, let's go verses 1 through 4, right? Read about the new covenant of Christ and how that gives us freedom from the law of sin and death, right? Next one, Psalm one eighteen five. 5. The Lord hears those who cry out to him. Read it, okay? Next one. 1 Corinthians 6:12. right? That gives you a little warning about having the right to do anything. Next one, Romans 6:18. No longer slaves to sin. Next one, Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19. Next, Galatians chapter five, one through six. That start out it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Read the rest of that. Okay? Next one, Romans chapter eight, verse two. Back to Galatians chapter five, thirteen and fourteen. Ephesians three twelve. Romans eight fifteen. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. Colossians chapter 1, 21 through 23. Romans chapter 8, 20 and 21. You know, 2 Corinthians says, uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Um, I'm just reading that again, that whole book, 2 Corinthians, um, now I encourage you to do that. You know, Christian freedom is freedom for knowing God, for being his and for having him as ours, right? Through the spirit, we're freed for holiness, freed for true life, freed to be sons and daughters in the happiest family, right? Freed to enjoy the inheritance of everything and to enjoy Jesus now and forever. So how do we experience true freedom in Christ? Everybody seeks freedom, right? Especially in the West. Uh, freedom is the highest virtue, and it's sought after by all who uh, or even consider themselves to be oppressed, right? But freedom in Christ is not the same as political or economic freedom. In fact, most of the, the, the most harshly oppressed people in history have had complete freedom in Christ. The Bible tells us, uh, spiritually speaking, that no one's free, right? In Romans 6, Paul explains that we are all slaves. You're either slaves to sin or you're slaves to righteousness. Those who are slaves to sin can't free themselves from it. But once we are freed, you know, from that, that penalty, of the power of, of sin through the cross, we become a different kind of slave. And, and in that slavery, we, that slavery is complete peace and true freedom, right? And it sounds like a contradiction. The only true freedom in Christ comes to those who are his slaves, right? Slavery has come to mean degradation or hardship or inequality, but the biblical version is the true freedom of the slave of Christ. It's one who experiences joy and peace, the products of the only true freedom we'll ever know in this life. Listen, there's 124 occurrences in the New Testament of the word doulos, which means someone who belongs to another or a bond slave with no ownership rights of his own. And unfortunately, most most modern Bible versions, just like King James, most often translate that word doulos as servant or bondservant. But a servant's one who works for wages and by virtue of his work is owed something from his master. The Christian, on the other hand, has nothing to offer the Lord in payment for his forgiveness. And he's totally owned by the master who bought him with his shed blood on the cross. Christians are purchased by that blood and are the possession of their Lord and Savior. We're not hired by him. We belong to him, right? Read Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 7. So, so that word slave is really the only proper translation of the word doulos. So f- far from being oppressed, you know, the, the slave of Christ is truly free. We've been set free from sin by the Son of God who said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now the Christian can truly say, uh, just like Paul did, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death we now know the truth and that truth set us free. So though our bondage is to Christ, we've also become sons and heirs of the most high God. As heirs, we're partakers of that inheritance, that eternal life, which God confers on all his children. That's a privilege beyond any earthly treasure we could ever inherit. While those in bondage to sin inherit only spiritual death and eternity in hell. Right? So, why then do many Christians live as though they're still in bondage here? For one thing, you know, just like me, you rebel against whatever it is. Sometimes you rebel against your master, you refuse to obey and you cling to that old life. We hold on to that sin that once bound us to Satan as our master, because our new nature still lives in the old fleshy nature, which we're still, that's still being drawn to sin. Paul tells the Ephesians to put off that old self and its deceit and corruption and put on the new self with its righteousness, right? Put off lying and put off truthfulness, or or put on truthfulness, sorry. Put off stealing and put on usefulness and work. Put off bitterness and put off rage and anger and, and put on kindness and compassion and forgiveness, right? We've been set free from the bondage of sin but we often put the chains back on because part of us loves that old life. Furthermore, you know, sometimes we don't even realize that we've been crucified with Christ, just like Galatians says, and that we've been reborn as completely new creations, like 2 Corinthians says. The Christian life is one of death to self and rising to walk in the newness of life. And that new life is characterized by thoughts uh, about Jesus who saved us not thoughts about the dead flesh that's been crucified with Christ when we're continually thinking about ourselves and indulging the flesh in sin we've been freed from we are essentially carrying around the corpse right full of rottenness and death the only uh the only way to bury that fully is by the power of the spirit who's own who is the only source of your strength, right? We strengthen the new nature by continually feeding on the word of God. And through prayer, we obtain the power we need to escape that desire to return to the old life of sin, right? Then we'll realize that our new status as slaves to Christ is only true freedom. And we'll call upon his power to not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, like Romans 6 says. So here's some questions that we put together to help us understand that freedom in Christ, right? So Have you ever stopped to just think about what it really means to be free in Christ? You probably heard it a million times and you might've said it a couple of times. uh, That saying, you know, those, the the truth will set you free. It's in a million movies, right? Whether you're new in the faith or you've been walking with the Lord for some time, the concept could be confusing, right? And and a lot of people take for granted uh, that concept. But in reading through some of the passages of the Bible that discuss, that, that talk about, Freedom um, in Christ, like John uh, chapter 8, Romans chapter 6, Galatians chapter 5, you know, you start to get more and more questions. You get answers, but you get more and more questions, right? So let's talk about a couple questions here. What is freedom in Christ, and how do I obtain it? So, freedom means that you have a choice. It means you're no longer restrained or controlled by the thing that once held you back. Some people are, are fortunate to be born into a free country, and you know some, some are not that lucky. They live their whole lives oppressed or even enslaved by others. But all of us are born as slaves to sin, right? Our sin nature separates us from God's love and his freeing power of the Holy Spirit. The moment you decide to place your trust in God and follow him is when sin loses that power to control you. Freedom in Christ means you're no longer controlled by that sin. The power of the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to resist your sinful desire and instead of choosing the path of sin and death, you're free to choose life. The first steps towards freedom is salvation. Once you open up your heart and invite the Holy Spirit in, the chains that enslave you will be broken. Right, Colossians says, "For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin." So, does freedom in Christ mean I can do whatever I want? I get asked that a lot too. Um, come on, don't be mistaken. Right, <laughs> freedom's not full, unhindered autonomy. You know, whether it's earthly freedom or spiritual freedom, there's always going to be rules and laws and guidelines you have to follow. You know, there always is going to be a right and a wrong. Freedom in Christ means we no longer have to satisf- satisfy our sinful desires. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That's from Galatians 5, right? That, that, that passage there goes on the list, all types of sinful desires, acts of the flesh that we can still fall into if we're not careful, despite being free from the power of sin. The Bible makes it very clear that if we continue to live like this, you're still enslaved to to that sin. And, and And because of that, your future's not secure. Right? Galatians is a warning there. It says, "I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, because of the prominence of sin in our life, we must be so intentional about choosing to follow Jesus. You have to daily choose between allowing sin in uh, to control your life that way or following Christ and experiencing that ultimate freedom from sin. 1 Peter says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So what are ways that you allow the enemy to control uh, you even after you've been set free? right? Galatians again says, for freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. The enemy wants to keep you from experiencing and sharing, you know, the freedom that you have in Christ. And he's going to continue to entice you with sin using guilt and shame to remind you of your sinful past. Even though you've been set free from the control of sin, he doesn't want to lose his grip on you. Right? Being free in Christ doesn't mean you'll never fall back into your sinful ways. But it does mean that you're no longer under its control. Before Christ redeemed us, our only choice was sin. And sin's powerful. And without the saving power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the enemy will always try to use sin to drag you down. James chapter 1, 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Man, that's scary. Right? James 1, 14 and 15. Freedom in Christ not only means we're free from sin, but also that we're free from the burden of sin or the guilt and the shame of things we've done in the past. See, the enemy loves it when we allow that guilt and that shame to reside in our hearts, when even after Jesus forgave us, the weight of our past still weighs heavy on our shoulders. Romans says there's no condemnation. We read that for those in Christ Jesus, right? Because Jesus Christ and the law of the Spirit gives life. And once that sets you free, you're free from the law of sin and death, right? The, one of the main characteristics of God and Jesus is that God is love, right? You see that over and over. Paul says love keeps no record of wrongs. When you're set free, all the sins of your past were forgotten and forgiven and, and, and no longer held accountable, right? So how do you avoid going back to being a slave to sin once you're set free? Let's do a verse in Psalm, Psalm 73. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So once you've chosen to follow Jesus, right, the Holy Spirit's going to flood your heart and your mind. You don't have to fall into the temptations of sin any longer. You know, yeah, you're going to be tempted, but thanks to the Holy Spirit, you now have victory over that sin. All you need to do is keep your eyes fixed on God. Right? Look to Jesus as the example of what to do when you're tempted. After he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, the devil came to Jesus and tempted him three times. And all three times, Jesus didn't stumble. You know, he, he turned the word of God. Uh, he, he turned to the word and he worshiped the father, right? Jesus called the word of God our daily bread, Just like we need to eat every day to nourish and fuel our body, you also need to daily consume God's word to guide your heart, guide your mind from the enemy and from temptation of sin. When you read God's word and you pray regular and and temptation comes your way, you're going to be ready to recognize it for what it is and to run from it before it has a chance to take up a root in your life. So how does my life change when I choose Jesus over sin? So, you know, a lot of people say it seems like a book of rules, the Bible. Uh, God's word actually provides guidance on how to live as free as possible. When when Jesus freed us, it says he took captivity captive. We didn't go from being slaves of sin just to be enslaved to rules and expectations that are impossible to follow. However, that's what the enemy wants you to think. He wants to deceive you, right? Into believing that choosing to follow Jesus means your life is over. Freedom is always meant to be enjoyed. Freedom is meant to give you a new life, a fresh start, an opportunity to be everything God designed you to be. Once you've been saved, you're a child of God and a part of his heavenly kingdom. And God loves to lavish his children richly with blessings of all kinds. You know, and we could talk about blessings. There's... Um, verses that talk about blessings and what we can expect to receive when we walk in the Spirit. Um, Ephesians says, blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Um, again, here's some here's some homework. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. I'll read this one. Proverbs 16. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. How cool, right? Uh, Colossians 1.11. So if you've never experienced the gift of salvation and freedom from sin that's freely offered through Jesus Christ, I urge you to consider taking that step today, right? I promise it's not going to uh, hinder you. It's going to be the most important decision you can ever make. And you can today break free from the chains that bind you and enter into freedom that can only be found in Christ. So finding faith, what does it mean to have freedom in Christ? You know, in John 8, 36, let's read that, okay? Jesus makes a wonderful statement there of victory. He said, so if the Son sets you free, he, he sets you, you will be free indeed. That's powerful and encouraging words and... You know, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, uh, you're free. But have you ever taken the time to consider what you're freed from, right? The Greek, you know, I'm going to go to the Greek. In, in Greek, the word free can mean to either liberate or exempt from liability, right? And, and that means the verse could read, whom the son liberates or exempts from liability will be really liberated and exempted from liability, Right, So if you think of that definition, when you consider its verse in the full context, there's two conclusions. Right, It's either um, there are things Christ had freed you from, and there are things Christ had freed you to. So um, what has Christ freed you from? He's freed you from the bondage of sin, which is your captivity. For something or someone to be liberated, it first has to be bound or imprisoned right, so the the very definition of a captive is one who's confined, that's exactly what you were. were. We were all prisoners held under the bondage of sin. We were held captive by the impulses of sin. We were bound to the instincts of sin. We had no power to overcome the influence of sin. Sin was the ruler and it held us captive. In your days of living before Christ, whatever sin wanted, that's what sin got. Right? This doesn't mean that you were out living a wild lifestyle, but it it could. Uh, It simply means that the primary authority in your life was your sinful nature, it was uh, that was in control. Right, and, and even Paul refers to that in Romans, uh, the sin as your master or your controller. But when you were born again, something awesome happened. Right, God gave you that new nature and more importantly, filled you with his Holy Spirit. So now you're no longer under the control of your sinful nature. You've been set free. And Paul summed that up in 2 Corinthians where he says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom because the Holy spirit lives in you. You are free. What else? The penalty of sin, right? Your eternity. So we all know uh, the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. Right. But let's think about it. Outside of Christ, we had an eternal death sentence. So you and I were on death row. You may not have understood it and probably didn't grasp the gravity of it, but that's where we were. And a lot of people today still don't understand that. Because of your sin, uh, because of our sin, you and I were on a path to be eternally separated from the very presence of God. There was... um, That's the eternal penalty or the liability of our sin. And thankfully, the story doesn't end there. You know, Paul states here the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus sets you free, he takes away your death sentence. The penalty you deserved has been removed, and now you have eternal life. He literally shifted your eternal destination, so you can rejoice if you have Christ that you have, uh, then eternal life. You no longer have to pay for that penalty of sin. You've also been freed from the guilt of sh- and the shame of sin. Your your vitality, right? Have you ever experienced that feeling of guilt? Uh, I know you have. The that. Have you ever felt shame for things you've done in your past? Have you ever repented, but it felt like you needed to repent again because you felt so bad, you wanted to make sure God really forgave you? You know, we all do things that we're ashamed of, things we wish we could take back and never do again. We all have the capacity to re uh, to relive our bad moments, I would say, questioning why we did that, Right? But when you do that, all you're doing is creating that guilt and shame more. That can haunt you and that can cripple you. And that can take away your capacity to live and develop, which is in fact your vitality, right? That's one of the biggest weapons uh, Satan has, encouraging you to look back at the shameful moments of your past. When you do, uh, you can be overwhelmed by man, you name it, guilt, shame, condemnation, you know, that strips your joy, that robs your peace, that destroys your vitality. The good news for you is you've been set free in Christ. When you sincerely repented, God forgave you. He removed that sin from you as far as the east is from the west, and he doesn't remember it anymore. He'll never bring it up again, and and neither should you. However, you know, forgiveness is not just about dealing with sin. It also deals with your shame. Christ didn't just forgive the sins of the past. He also liberates you from the shame and the guilt of your past. Right? He takes away the thing that has limited your ability to live and develop, which is your guilt and your shame. And if you're forgiven, you're forgiven completely and totally. Sin, shame, guilt of it all dealt when Jesus set you free. You don't have to carry that burden of guilt and shame anymore. You're forgiven and you're truly free indeed. When you understand that Christ freed you from What it is that he did, it sets the stage for you to live in what Christ has freed you to do. And what has Christ freed you to do? He's freed you to live, right, your capacity. One of the reasons it's so important to understand that you're free from the bondage, from the penalty, from the guilt of sin, is because it now increases your capacity through Jesus to love, to have joy, to experience peace, and to enjoy life. He also wants to increase your capacity to have a relationship with your heavenly father. That can't happen if you're not free. You can't have a vibrant, living, loving relationship with God or with anyone else for that matter if you're holding on to guilt and shame of your past. John said, uh, Jesus said this in John, um, I believe verse 10, chapter 10. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have to check that, but I believe it's John 10. Um, But remember, I've come that you may have life. We talked about this earlier and have it to the full. You may have it, right? If you remember the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God and their capacity for a relationship with God was hindered. When Jesus comes and sets you free, you don't have to hide anymore. You can now enjoy a healthy relationship with your heavenly father and he actually encourages it. James chapter 4 says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's the essence of what Christ has freed you to. God wants a close relationship and a fellowship with you. And the only way that happens is by Jesus freeing you. That allows you to build the relationship without fear, without worry. You can enter into God's presence with confidence because you know he wants you there and the hindrance has all been removed. That is truly is living free and you've got the freedom to serve, right? Activity. Ephesians two says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One of the other reasons Christ freed you is because he has work for you to do. He has a plan for your life. It's going to be difficult to achieve the plan. If you're running around with a guilty conscience, right? When you do that, you're always trying to prove yourself or win the approval of people. Remember, you are saved by grace. You live by grace. God will accomplish his plan in your life by grace. Christ frees you so that your activity doesn't flow out of some sense of trying to win God's approval. Your approval doesn't come because of what you do, but because of what Christ already done. Right. When you understand that, you're free to accomplish the plan God has for your life with no agenda and no ulterior motive, but out of a heart motivated by love for him. I hate when people say, uh, if in the dictionary, freedom is designed. I, I hate that. But I'm gonna say it. Freedom is designed as the power or the right to act or to speak without hindrance or restraint and that completely wraps up everything christ did for you right and for me that's only one thing left for you to do and you have to live galatians 5 it's for freedom that christ set us free stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery enjoy your freedom live the life the life that christ freed you to live amen so let's pray quick, Father. Thank you for the people that uh, heard this message, and I pray that it came from you through me. And it's to, I'm even if it's only one person that needed to hear it. I, I pray that they hear it and it hits home in their life. And, and I pray and encourage the brothers and sisters around the world that are listening to this that there's freedom there, and, and don't be a slave and don't be in bondage any longer because Christ did the work already. The work's already been done and and your heavenly father loves you. You've been made free. Don't be a slave any longer. Father, bless them and encourage them and give them strength to persevere in whatever is hindering them in their life, let it be financial or emotional or physical or whatever it is. Father, I pray you bless them and you give them the strength to, to make it through and to keep going and to keep seeking you and keep seeking you and keep seeking you. And when they're tired and they're weary, that they keep seeking you and they keep seeking you more. And I pray all that in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, uh, if you need a Bible, reach out to me. This, uh, it's so easy to find Jesus and to get this freedom, right? If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. That's it, right? That's it. And scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Never. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Don't put this decision off. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't do this alone. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. He took the penalty of my sin, and the third day he rose to glory, and he's coming back. Jesus, come into my life, I accept you into my heart. You are the leader uh, of my life. I turn everything over to you, right? Guide me and teach me as I grow to learn more about you. right? Pray that simple prayer and and, and enjoy freedom, get to know what that freedom is. Stop being a slave, right? Find out who God is, right? This poor man called out and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all his troubles. So God bless you in your decisions. Be prepared for wonderful things, right? You'll have confidence and you'll be uh, a conqueror. Listen. I say it every time. I'm going to keep saying it. You're not weak. You're not damaged. You're not unworthy. No matter what you've done, it's not over. God will meet you exactly where you are. You don't have to get better. You don't have to clean up your life. All you have to do is reach out to God and God will come and meet you where you are, right? So if you have any concerns, release, then trust God that it's your time. Jesus is waiting just for you. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thank you. And I'll see you next time.